Today's daf Maseches Saita is daf Lamidalid. We are beginning the very top line of Lamidalid Amud Aleph. We're going to have two sections in today's daf. The first is a continuum of yesterday regarding the procedure of crossing the Yarde in the days of Yeshua, the instructions Yeshua gave, and then discussion about the stones that they carried. There were two sets of stones, we'll see. And it implies regarding the Miraglim when they brought back fruits from Eretz Yisroel. Uh, years before, 38 years before. Um, and then the second section we're going to discuss is uh, the discussion about the Miraglim. Once we introduce them, we'll talk about the Miraglim, their negative intention, Kaliv and Yeshua being uh, removed of that. Again, the Miraglim in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. And then we'll speak about the greatness of Eretz Yisrael as opposed to what the Miraglim said about Eretz Yisrael. So let's begin. Yesterday we finished off at the very bottom of Lamed Gimlom Abayis talking about how the Aron uh, was treated in ways that were out of the ordinary on this day. They crossed the Yardin as well as two other times. So now we're going to get into the actual story of the splitting, or as really as we're going to see the Yardin water piling up, allowing there to be dry land for the Jews to cross. So it's the top of Lamadala The moment that the Kohanim's feet stepped into the water of the Jordan, which means they stepped into the side of the Jordan that they were standing on. The water is backed up. Now what it means backed up here is, unlike Kriyas Yamsuf, there was a split because it was a sea allowing for paths for the Jews to walk through. Here we're talking about a river, the Jordan River. The river means that the water that was flowing went downstream and the water that was coming, new water, started to pile up, allowing there to be dry land for the Jews to cross. Shenemar, as it says in Sefer Yeshua, when the people carrying the Yardin, who were the Kohanim that day, entered, when they were carrying, the, the people carrying the Aron entered the Yardin, and the water that was coming upstream stopped, and it stood like one wall, like one pillar. Vikama Govan Shalmayim asks the Gemara, how high did the water stand so as to allow the Jews to cross, i.e., it took time for the Jews to cross. Well, how much water was piling up in the meantime? So we have a machlaikis here. Shneimasar mil, shneimasar mil. So this is the first opinion of Yehuda. He says it was 12 mil by 12 mil, or as Rashi says, it was 12 mil. Keneged machane Yisrael, diver Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yehuda says this corresponds to the encampment of the Jewish people, which was 12 mil when they would encamp by 12 mil or 12 mil total. The point is, is that it piled up, allowing the entire Jewish populace to cross over, which would then be equal to the size of the Jewish encampment. And we'll discuss later what this machlokis is dependent on, but that's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Amr le'er Belazer Rabbi Shimon, Belazer Rabbi Shimon said to Rabbi Yehuda, according to your opinion, Adam kalim ayim kalim. What is quicker generally looked? What is looked at as quicker? A person or as water flows? Well, you would say water is quicker. But if it's true that you're saying that water is quicker, and there was only 12 mil of water that piled up, so then the water would come and wash over them, and it would swamp them in their procedure, because it wouldn't be enough time if it only piled up to 12 mil for the entire Jewish encampment to travel. We'll see later what this machloikis is based on. So therefore, Rabbi Shimon says, 
Melamin, it teaches us Shahayumayim Nidgashim Va'oilan Kipin al Gabi Kipin, that the water was piling up waves on top of waves. Yes, Er Mishlosh Meos Mil, more than 300 mil, means it was far more than what Rabbi Yehuda says, says Rabbi Lazar of Shimon. Achiroas and Kolmalchim Mizrachumarab, until the kings of the east and west all saw, all of the Goyim saw, Shinemar, as the Pasuk says in Yeshua, Payikishmoa Kolmalchi Hoyamori, Asher Be'evara Yardin Yama, when all the kings of the Amori that were on the western side saw, uh, heard, and all of the Kenani kings by the water, by the sea, how Hashem had um, dried out the waters of the yard, in front of the Jews until they were able to cross. And the Pasuk says, their hearts melted, they had no spirit to fight against the Jewish people. And now what the Gemara is about to show us is not only was it based on this incident of the Yardin, stopping, allowing the Jews to split, to, to, to cross, that caused them to lose hope. Which is right before this incident of the crossing the Yardin, the Jewish people sent in two spies to spy out the land. This is, again, not to be confused with the miracle in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. So those two spies were Kalev and Pinchas. Yeshua was now the leader of the Jewish people. And they went into Yericho, which is this heavily fortified city. And Rachav Azona, Azona, which either means prostitute or innkeeper, Lashon of food, providing sustenance, housed them. And uh, there was an incident in the beginning of Sefer Yeshua, and Rachav tells it that these shluchim, Kalev and Pinchas, afterwards, she tells them, which implies that the, the people living in Canaan were already scared from hearing about the Kriyas Yamsuf. 40 years before this. She said to the messengers of Yeshua, We have heard that uh, Hashem had dried out the sea, the Yamsuf, beforehand. And she continued to say, That we heard and uh, our hearts were melted and there was no more energy for us to fight, up against, fight against you. The Mark continues now and says what Yeshua instructed the people as they stood crossing the Yardin. They were standing in the Oydam Bayard, and they were still in the Yardin. Yeshua turned to the people and he said, You should know in regards to what you're crossing the Yardin. What is this conditional on? On condition you drive out the inhabitants of Canaan from in front of you. Now, as we learned actually earlier, we learned in, in the Psukim, it details how they were given allowance to leave, but if they wouldn't leave, so then the Sheva Umos had to be wiped out. So this was the condition and the allowance to cross into Eretz Canaan with that understanding. Shemar, as the Pasuk says in the Torah, not in, not in Yeshua, it says, You shall drive out the inhabitants of the land from in front of you. So Yeshua concluded and said, If you do that, means you agree to that instruction, you follow it, mutav, everything is well. But if not, the water will come and uh, wash over you and, 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 and kill you now. So the Gemara says, the, the Tana of the Brice, they use a strange word, it should have said, what is this terminology that's being used? It's a, connective to, a connection of two words, which means if you don't agree to this stipulation, it'll wash over all of us, me and you, we won't be able to cross in. Continues the Gemara, they were still standing in the yard Yeshua said to them, now we're going to see there were two sets of stones that he instructed people to lift, the first we're about to illustrate, these were the ones that um, 
they erected right outside of the Yardin, right next to the Yardin, as a symbolism of what had occurred. And the second were the ones that we spoke about earlier that eventually were brought to Gilgal after being used in the incident of uh, Hagrizim and Har Evil. So the Gemara says, this is the first set. Yeshua said to them, Harim Lachem Ish Evan, a person should lift uh, a stone, Evan Achas al Shechma, a stone on his shoulder, Lemispar Shifte Yisrael, in accordance with the number of the Jewish people, which means 12 men were picked out, each one would pick pick up one of these big stones from the Yardin, the Jordan, and erect it just on the other side of the banks of the Yardin. In the Pasuk says, This should be a sign in your midst. When your children will ask you tomorrow, saying, in the future, What are these stones for you? And you'll respond, It'll be a sign for future generations that their ancestors crossed over the Jordan. Right? So Rashi over here explains, these are the ones that they set up near the feet of the Kohanim as a remembrance of this fantastic miracle that occurred on that day. Now I'm moving on to the second set of stones that he instructed to be lifted. Yeshua instructed them a second time. Lift for yourselves from here, from within the Yardin, from the placement of the feet of the Kohanim. Arrange 12 stones. And uh, they should cross with you. And you will place them in the place that we sleep tonight. Now what that meant was, after they were used in the procedures of Hargrizim and Arevel, and there was Korbanus brought on them, the Torah was written on them, then they traveled to the Gilgal, and that's where they actually set them up for a continuum. And you might think that it was to be erected in every stop that they would sleep in the following uh, travels. It's only the place we're going to sleep tonight. It was left in the Gilgal, uh, as we explained. Um, Rabbi Yehuda. Now, the Gemara says like this, based on the stones that we just in- discussed, the Gemara says that Rabbi, actually the gear says changed Rabbi Yaisi. Um, Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi said as follows, Abba Chalafta, my father Chalafta, Rabbi Lazar ben Masya, V'chanani ben Chachinai. So three of these Amoroim, which is much after, many years after, a thousand years after this incident, Amdu Alois and Avonim, more than a thousand years, fifteen hundred years after, so he says, my, my father and two other Chachamim, these are Amoroim now, they stood uh, by these stones. Excuse me, double check that. Rabbi Yossi ben Chalafta was a Tana, so these are Tanoim. But the point is that he said that my father Chalafta and these two other Tanoim, they stood by those stones. Vishiarum, they stood by those stones that were brought in the days of Yoshua. And they measured them, and each of these stones, Shekula Karboim Saw, was the weight of 40 Saw. So the, the art scroll says this was hundreds of pounds. Very heavy stones. So Rabbi Yezi continues, Vigmir, you have a tradition, because if you do the math, the weight that a person could put on his own shoulders, or can carry on his own shoulders, Tilsa de Teune Have is a third of the weight that he could carry if someone puts it on the, his shoulders for him. Meaning to say, this is, this is seemingly how Taisus learns and Rashi seems to learn over here, is that the amount of weight that I can lift up and carry on my own is a third of the amount of weight I can lift and ca- I can carry if somebody else, else helps me to put it on my shoulders. Meaning, when I have assistance, I can carry three times the amount of weight that I could carry if I don't have assistance getting that on my shoulders. And the Gemara says, what is this important for? 
From this, we're about to use this calculation that for the for the eshkol, the cluster of grapes that was carried in the days of the Maraglam of Moshe Rabbeinu. Again, those spies, as we're going to get into that sugya later, they had negative intention. They wanted to bring back these grapes to show uh, how strange or unconquerable Eretz Yisrael was. And we're going to measure how much weight they were able to support, how large these things were, based on that calculation we just said, that a person can lift and carry 40 sa'a by himself, three times that when he has assistance, which means he could carry 120 when he has assistance. Shene'emar, because the Pasuk says, now this is regarding the Miraglim in the days of Moshe. It says, They carried it uh, with a moat, this time with the eshkol, the cluster of grapes, with sticks, with two people. So, once I know that it's a sticks, stick means two people, one on each end. Of course, two people held it. So, what is the puzzle emphasizing by saying two people held it? So, the first opinion in this b'risa says that it was two moitos, meaning there were two sticks, let's say cross, crossing each other, and they supported the uh, the cluster of grapes un- with two sticks under it, which means there were actually four people holding it. So if you're doing the math and with assistance, with, by yourself you can hold 40 saw, assistance you could hold, hold 120. That means if there's four people holding the cluster of grapes that they were able to hold 480 saw. So it tells you how massive these things were. So Rabbi Yitzchak adds on to that. He says, actually, it was a support and a support under a support. So Rashi explains over here, what that means is, there were two levels of support holding this cluster of grapes. So he understands that there were two sticks parallel to each other, with four people, one, one on each end of these two sticks. Meaning, again, one on each end of, which means there were four people, two on each stick. And then there was another two sticks, like an X formation under the parallel sticks, with another four people holding them under. Which meant that there were eight people total in total holding these uh, grapes. And being that that's so, it would have been that they held 960 sa'a based on the math of 8 times 120. Ha-ketzad, so the Gemara says, well, how did this work out in terms of carrying these fruits from Eretz Yisrael in the days of the Maraglim? Shmaina nasu eshkol, so eight people, like Rabbi Yitzchak said, carried the cluster of grapes. Echad nasa rimon, and this seems to be based on tradition. One person was able to carry the pomegranate, echad nasa te'ena, and one carried the fig. Yeshua v'kalev le'nasu klum, Yeshua and Kalev, who were two of the original spies, who were tzaddikim, as we'll learn later, they didn't want to have to have part in this, so they didn't carry anything. Either because of their significance, their greatness, it wouldn't have been fitting for them to carry. Because they didn't want to have anything to do with this entire negative plan of saying Lashon Hara about Eretz Yisrael as being illustrated by the production of this tremendous fruit, therefore they didn't carry anything. Now the Gemara goes back to the original Machlaikis we had. So one said, according to Rabbi Yehuda's Shita, that said the water of the Yardin stood up only 12 by 12 mil, turning to Lamadalamud base. So what is this debate based on? So according to Rabbi Yehuda, they traveled in their, in their encampment formation, which is box-like formation. Therefore, it wasn't in single file line. It wasn't in a line formation that they traveled over the, the Jordan. And therefore, they were able to travel quicker. And that's why 12 by 12 mil, the water piling up, would have been sufficient. And Ladiv, According to the second opinion, they traveled in line formation, one after the other. Therefore, it had to have been more than 12 by 12 mil in order for everyone to get across. That's why I said more than 300 mil. Chanam, or the other Amayra here says, 
that both opinions, Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon hold, they traveled as they encamp in box formation. Mar Savar, however, Behuda holds Adam Kal, that a person is quicker than water. Umar Savar and Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon holds Mayim Kal, and the water is quicker, therefore it had to have been 300 mil, 200 uh, more than 300 mil, 12 mil wouldn't have been sufficient. So Tysus points out over here, L'chaira, how can you say a person is quicker than water? Behuda's opinion seems difficult. So he seems to explain Tysus that since we're talking about where the water is piling up, going upwards, like climbing a hill, is very difficult. So therefore, Yehuda would hold that 12 mil would have been sufficient already to allow all the Jews to travel over the Yardane because it would have slowed down the stream of the water to a degree that 12 mil would have already been sufficient. All right, that's the end of the first section of today. Let's move on now to discuss the Meraglim in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. The Pasuk tells us the Parsha Shlach. Shlach lecha anashim, Hashem says to Moshe, Send for yourself people. So, Amr Lakish, these are the spies to spy out Eretz Yisrael. Amr Lakish, Shlach Lecha Hashem was saying, send spies based on your own agreement, your own understanding. I'm not instructing you to, to do so. Ask the Gemara, or the way that Rashi learns it is, Kulum Yesh Adam, that would choose something negative for himself, meaning, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded him, it's a kashim more than just a statement, is if Hashem would have commanded him to send the spies, so how could it be that he would command Moshe to do something that ends up being bad? So therefore, Hashem didn't command him, he just said, if you want to send, you could send. And that's what the Pasuk means when it says, it says that Moshe relays to the people, it was good in my eyes. What does it mean in my eyes? Means it was good in my eyes, not in the eyes of Hashem. Hashem did not instruct me because he didn't want this to happen. I was the one that, that uh, suggested and, and agreed to this. Now the, 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 the Rishonim here explain, or the Mepharshim here explain, basically what happened was, what, so why did Takamosha do this? So he didn't think in the beginning that it was going to necessarily be wrong, but why did he agree to this if Hashem wasn't instructing him? Because he said like this, the people want to send spies to spy out the land. If I say they can't, so it seems like maybe I'm withholding information about the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, and it'll be difficult. If I say they could, so at least, you know, what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying was, they, they, as Rashi explains on Chumash is, then hopefully they'll trust me and they'll just say, okay, fine, you know, we don't have to send them in the end. In the end, they did send and it turned out to be a tragedy, which is Tishabov, and that's, that's the entire uh, issue with the Miraglim. But ultimately, Moshe must have not realized the negativity that would have occurred, and therefore he said it was good in my eyes, although Hashem didn't command me to send them. So the instruction was that we'll spy out the land. Now the word V'yachber was a unique terminology for spying. The Meraglim only wanted to see the negativity, the embarrassment of Eretz Yisrael, means they had the wrong intention from the beginning. Because it says by the Meraglim, that same terminology of V'yachberu, and it says in Sefer Yeshaya, it says the moon was ashamed and the sun was embarrassed. So we see that this is a language of negativity negativity, that was the intent of the Meraglim. Now the Pasuk says these are their names, and it emphasizes these are, these are their names multiple times. So why does it say that? Lamata Reuven Shamua ben Zakor, right, the, the Nasi that was the head of the Reuven sent to be one of the spies, was Shamua ben Zakor. So why does it emphasize Veilish We have a tradition from our forefathers, Meraglim, Alshema, Aseim, Nikru, that their names reflect their negative character and intention. 
We only have the tradition of one of them. We lost the other ones, apparently. It says, the Nasi that was called Sesor ben Michoel. Why was he called that? Sesor shesasar ma'asif shal HaKadosh Baruch He contradicted the deeds of HaKadosh Baruch Rashi explains what that means is he contradicted what HaKadosh Baruch certainly would have been able to do, which is to conquer Eretz Yisrael for them. He made as if that wasn't possible. Michoel shesasa atzmai mach. He made HaKadosh Baruch weak. It's, it's, a, it's a euphemism. Meaning to say that HaKadosh uh, Baruch won't be able to conquer the land for us. The point is, this is an implication of what their intent was. We also said about the Nasi of Naftali, it says, Nachbi ben Vavsi. Nachbi, what does that mean? Shehechbi devar shal HaKadosh Baruch He hid the actions of Hashem. He didn't say it as it was, that Hashem will be able to allow us to, con- to have a conquest. Vavsi shepisel midesh shal HaKadosh Baruch He trampled on the deeds of HaKadosh Baruch Again, he skipped over them. He didn't say it again as it was, that we would really be able to be, have a successful conquest. Now the Pesukim say, Vayalu Banegev, they ascended. These Meraglim ascended in the south, which is plural. And then it says, He came until Chevron. So the Gemara says, It should have said, They came until Chevron. So Marav Malamid teaches us that only one person went until Chevron. Shapirish Kalev Meatzas, Meraglim Kalev separated from the advice of the Meraglim. He went off on his own. And he went and prostrated himself by the ants, the Kivrei Ovis, which is the Ma'aras Machpelo, where Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov were buried, and he davened there. And Omar Lehen, he prayed to the forefathers, which we really discussed earlier in the Masechta, that Kalev had all kinds of names that show his greatness about not being influenced by the Miraglim. And nor that he wouldn't be influenced, and he went and prayed the following. Omar Lehen, he said in front of the Ovis, Avois are my forefathers, Bikshu Alai Rachamim, Pray for me, mercy, that I should be saved from the advice of the Miraglim. This terminology is somewhat difficult because Tysus points out the Mason don't know what's going on from the Gemara and Brachas, but also when you pray at the kever of a tzaddik, l'chaira, you're not supposed to pray that the tzaddik should intervene on your behalf because we only pray to Hashem, but rather that the schus of the tzaddik should be a schus for you, that your prayer should be accepted to Hashem. Okay, but that's what the Gemara here says, and this is a discussion we could discuss later. But the point is, that's what he davened, that he should be saved. But Yeshua didn't need that type of protection, because Yeshua, Kfar Bikesh, Moshe, Olav, Rachamim, Yeshua was already uh, supported by Moshe, who already davened on his behalf. Shinemar, as we know, that the Pasuk says, Vayikra Moshe la Yeshua, because his name was already originally Hoshea, and Moshe changed his name to Yeshua, which is a conjugate of two words, Hashem should save you from the negative intentions of the Miraglim. And the Gemara just finishes off, where do we see a reference to this idea that Kalev davened on his own behalf, he, and, and based on that, he saved himself? Like it says, because who says, the other Miraglim, this is after the terrible news is, is the, the terrible Lashon Hara said, and then the punishments are meted out, and HaKadosh Baruch says the other Miraglim are going to die, but my servant Kalev, because there was a Ruach HaKeres, he had a different uh, spirit, so Vegaimer, and the Pasuk says Vegaimer, Rashi learns that Vegaimer is actually the Raya, because the end of the Pasuk says, He will come to the land that he came till there. What does it refer to? That Kalev was going to get Hebron, which was the land that he went and davened, so as to be protected from the advice of the Miraglim. Continues the Gemara, we say in Hebron, the Pesukim over there say, It says there were four giants, a father and his three children. And who were the three children? So the Gemara explains each of their names implies their power. It means literally the right, but it means the most powerful. The right is generally associated with Gvura, might. So he was the most powerful of his brothers, Sheshai. 
What does this refer to? That he makes the earth like shchasos, like ditches. Rashi himself says over here that he doesn't really see how the word shchasos and sheshai are related. However, he says perhaps it's a language of amude shesh, like pillars of shesh, of marble, meaning that he was so powerful that when he would walk, he would uh, damage the earth. Talmai, Talmai, what was this, uh, the reference here? He would make the earth into furrows because of his uh, might and strength. Now some take out this because it really is a different point, but Achiman bana Anas, Achiman built the city of Anas, Sheshai bana Alash, another city, Talmai bana Talbush, and Talmai built the city of Talbush. Pasuk calls them Yelide Ho'anak, they were the children of the giant. But the Gemara understands the word anak can also mean a necklace. What does it mean? It was as if they were wearing the sun as a necklace because of their height. Because of how tall they were, it looked like they were wearing the sun around their neck. Now the Pasuk says when the Meragum traveled in, Chevron was built seven years uh, before Tzayan Mitzrayim. So the Gemara understands like this, my Nivnis, so what does it mean it was built seven years before Tzayan Mitzrayim? So Ilema, if it means Nivnis Mamish, that it was actually built by, we're going to see in a moment, Cham, who was the father of both Canaan and Mitzrayim. So then the implication would be Nivnis Mamish, that Cham, who was the father, we understand, built uh, places for his children, means he built Hebron for his youngest son, his fourth son, whose name was Canaan, before, seven years before, he built Tzoan, which was for his second to oldest son named Mitzrayim. So the problem then is, is it possible that Cham would have built a city, which is Hebron, for his youngest son, Canaan, before he built for his older son, the second to oldest, which is Mitzrayim? Because we know that in Sefer, in Sefer Barashas, when it recounts the Yichos, it says, Cham. Kush Mitzrayim. It says Ham's son was Kush Mitzrayim, and only the last one is Canaan. So Elishai Mevunal Echad Mishiva Betzayna means that Hebron was seven times, Rashi says, Miyushevis Beperos, plenty in terms of the settlement of fruits, more than Tsayan Mitzrayim. And the Gemara explains to us the implication of this Drasha. There was no place in Eretz Yisrael full of rocky uh, area, which is not good for agriculture, more than Hebron. Tikfiri Bashikhvi, that's why they use it as a burial plot for dead, because it's not good for agriculture. And then there's no beautiful land more than Eretz Mitzrayim in terms of the agriculture. Shanemar, as it says in the Pasuk in Sefer Bresh, as it says, When referring to a beautifully bounty, bountiful area, it says, like the Garden of Hashem, like Eretz Mitzrayim. And the most valuable agriculturally pla- agricultural place in Eretz Mitzrayim is Yasser Mitzrayim. It's Tzoyan. The Chesiv Pasuk says, Ki Sarav. In the days of Yeshishaya prophesies, when he talks about how the Melech Yisroel needed support against Melech Ashur, he sent a message to Paro, who was in Mitzrayim, and it says he wasn't so on. The point is, you see that that was the most bountiful area in Mitzrayim. Vafiluachi concludes the Gemara, even though Hebron was the least uh, agriculturally successful place, agriculturally successful place in, in Canaan. And Tzoyan was the most beautiful place of Mitzrayim, the most beautiful country. Even so, Hebron mevunach mishiva That's what the Pazag means. It means that it was seven times as bountiful as Tzayan as Mitzrayim. So this shows us what it means when we talk about the Torah being telling us that Eretz Yisrael is Devash, how wonderful it is. The Chevron, Trashim Abi asks the Gemara, was Chevron really considered uh, 
mountainous and rocky. We know the Pasuk in Shemul Beis when it talks about Avshalom, who was a Nazir island. We learned about this in uh, Nazir. It says, Vayihimi Ketzer Boim. Shana was the end of 40 years. Vayemra Avshalom al-Amelech El-Chana. I'll go now. He said, Avshalom said to David Amelech, I'm going to go now. Fulfill my promise. He went to get sheep from Hebron to bring Karbanos. The Tanya and the Brises supports this. That the rams came from Mayav, the sheep came from Hebron. So if sheep came from Hebron, that means it was bountiful with agriculture. And for the Gemara, no, Gufa, that is the Raya. The fact that the good animals came from Hebron means that those areas were used for pasture, meaning for animal food and not for human production because it's not actually a good area to produce people's food. Since the soil is very thin and it's not good at producing uh, food for people, um, it grows good uh, produce for pasture, meaning for animal feed, in Kenyana, and the sheep that come from it are very fatty. But that's actually the raya that it was the least uh, productive place for human agriculture because you see the sheep were from there. It was relegated to a place good for pasture because it wasn't good for people's food. And thus we have the raya that uh, Eretz, Chev, the land of Hebron, which is the least quality land of Eretz Yisrael, is still seven times as successful than the most successful place, which is Tzoyan in Mitzrayim, the most successful uh, agriculturally country. We're stopping the bottom of Lamed Adam Abayz, Be'ez Hashem. We'll pick up tomorrow with Lamed Hay. Everybody have a wonderful day.